Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, have your way. Lord, we, we love you. Have your way in this place. This is Saturday night. This is night three. It's not over. It's uh, night tomorrow is the, is, 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 the last, is the last big deal. But Lord, I thank you for tonight. Have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, I, I, I give you permission to use my voice however you want to use it. The things I've planned, if you want to keep it great, if you want to change it, please do. Do whatever you need to do tonight, Father, because you know who's here. And we thank you for the word of God, that it's living and that it's active and that it's sharp. And I thank you right now, Lord, that we all come with great expectation. Lord, let us take the limits off of you. Let us not pre-plan service and think about where we're going to eat but lord let's know that you've called us here for now and so lord there's something you want to say now in jesus name can i get a loud amen amen don't ever think past service stop you know that's something god had arrest me many times we, you know because god god's here now and you're here now and so you don't want to think past it because you miss what god has for you now and so um, he has a word. I don't have a word. I'm just speaking what he has to say. Amen. And so this is where my, uh, I believe the Lord was wanting me to go um, tonight, Saturday night. Tomorrow's five years to the date, right? It's exciting, man. It's going to be a party tomorrow. Um, you know, really, this is a little different for me because, um, you know, and I'm, your pastor confirmed it because he just said, I need you to be you Saturday. You know, because you're coming after Pastor Earl and Pastor Daryl. You're thinking, dear Lord, you know, can I just sing? You know, can I just, you know, you know, um, you know, and, there, and that's obviously not a there's not a, a level of, you know, you know, status. It's just the way it fell. You know, they had they, he would probably they had to go out of town. That's why. Um, so but the point is, is that, you know, he said, be you. And I felt like there's a message that God put in me that's a little different per se, because it's a message. But I don't want you to think message. Okay, it's a message and God and Jesus preached a message, but his message wasn't a message alone. His message had depth. His message had application. His message had life. And it wasn't just, oh, that was a good word. But that word did something inside. And and so really, honestly, the word I got when I was praying is impartation. The word impart means this to give or to bestow or to communicate. It means to grant a part or share. It means to give. One minister said it this way. It means the ability to give unto others that which God has given to you. Tonight, I really just want to impart something that's really dear in my heart. That's the word I got was impartation. And I'm still, Lord, okay, explain that. You know, because it's important to say what he says. So impart means to give or to respond, to communicate. And so honestly, I just really want to communicate the person. This is what I want to do now. I want to communicate the importance of. Of a personal life of worship. And let me just say this before you check out on me. This is not a message for musicians. This is not a message for worship leaders. This is not a message for wannabe worship leaders. This is not a message for singers. This is a message for believers. Any believers in the house? Awesome. I got four. I said, any believers in the house? Thank you. Okay. So before you say all the worship guys talking about worship, don't think that because that's nothing to do with music. That's where we've missed it. Worship has nothing to do with three fast songs and two slow songs. The church has made it that. It's not contemporary, fast, old school hymns. We put that market on on, on stuff. Worship has absolutely nothing to do with music. I want to really blow your mind if I can tonight concerning worship because God's been blowing my mind. I'm not going to walk out here just singing Kumbaya. And I'm not talking about what we just experienced tonight, which was great, but I'm not talking about your Sunday worship. I don't even care about your Sunday worship. Can I just say that? God don't care about my Sunday worship. He cares about my worship outside of church. If I'm not worshiping God outside of church, when I get up here and lead him worship, do you think that's impressing him? Think he's saying, oh, man, you're really lifting your voice in church. If I'm not lifting my voice in church when he's not, when, when no one's around. You think David only worshiped in church? 
David worshipped out in the field. He worshipped out in the, when he was working with nasty animals that stunk. And he was worshipping when people forgot about him. You know the story of the prophet came to town? Samuel, right? His daddy, Jesse. He wasn't even invited to the party. The prophet came to town. Jesse brought his sons out. He didn't invite David. Where's number eight at? He's out in the field. He wasn't, the king wasn't even invited. He's out working the sheep, doing the stuff that we don't want to do. But the stuff that we don't want to do sometimes is the very thing that can make you great. I'm going to say that again. The things that you don't want to do and the things that you write off as unimportant are the very things that God wants to catapult and use you. Everybody wants to be in full-time ministry, but God's watching you now. So it's not a message for worship leaders. This is not a message for singers. This is not a message for musicians. This is a message for believers. Because God wants to stir up our personal life of worship. Okay? So worship means this. It's reverent honor. And I am not a teacher. Okay? So I'm just, but I'm going to kind of do the teacher thing here and give you some definitions. You know? Can I say that? Okay. Worship means this. Reverent honor or homage paid to God. I'm going to walk around. Is that okay? Okay. I didn't get any okay, so I'm just going to do it. Worship is reverent honor or homage paid to God or a sacred person or to any object regarded sacred or worthy. Come on in, he worthy. Reverent honor or homage paid to God or a sacred person. That word homage, just going to give you a couple of definitions and we're just going to rock and roll here, okay? I want to help lay a foundation. Homage means this, the formal public acknowledgement. The formal public acknowledgement. Something done or given in acknowledgement or consideration of the worth of another. The formal public acknowledgement. That's what worship means. The last definition of worship means is this, is prostrate. Prostrate means this, to cast oneself face down on the ground in humility, submission, and adoration. Humility, submission, or adoration. Face down. That's what worship means. And so, you know, uh, and, and um, you know, Brother Hagin said this, Kenneth Hagin said this. He said, sometimes in order to find out what things are, you have to kind of find out what they're not. It's kind of like process of elimination. Seriously, if you ever trying to figure out something, sometimes just start with what it's not. It becomes very clear. Okay, so let me give you a couple points. Number one, worship was never meant to be a service or a time. We've got to stop thinking Sunday morning worship. That's where, listen, that's where we've, we've missed it. Now, not that this is not important because it is, but this is not all that it is. We have to come together. The Bible's biblically, it says that come together and collect upon the place and, and coming together and worshiping together in the church. But this alone is not just worship. Okay, worship, uh, another one, worship is not music. Worship is not music. Now, worship can be music. But worship is not music. I can turn on the radio and, and we can find some music, right? And is that worship? It might be worshiping something else. But it's not just worship. Just because we, and, and I, I hate to break your hearts, but just because we put on Christian radio does not mean it's, okay, I didn't say it. Worship is, worship is more than a song. Remember that song back in the 90s? I'll give you more than a song for a song in itself. No one? Okay, all right. You, I guess as Pastor Marshall said, you guys know nothing about that. So nothing about that. <laughs> worship, listen, worship is not a Sunday morning, wake me up, pre-message time filler. Worship is not three fast, too slow. Who put that on there? 
don't know. The Gaithers? I don't know. I'm kidding. Worship has nothing to do with your sound or your ability to sing. Now, now if you're going to lead worship, then you need to be able to sing. I'm just going to say that. I'm not going to be, oh, bless her heart. She sounds horrible. But seriously, if you're going to lead worship, then you need to have some skill. Amen. That's not knocking anybody. But if you're going to lead the church in worship, you can't sound like a cat. Or, you know, or like, like you know, no, I mean, and, and the churches, unfortunately, we, I've grown up in churches that'd be the worst because they'll lie to you. You did great. And you're thinking, we got lied to growing up. Not us, but no, I mean, no, no. We, we went to some services and we had some guest artists. We had an operatic harpist come to our church. I don't even understand. Now, here's the point. The thing is, is that, um, let me get off that. Is that. If you're going to lead worship, that's a whole other thing. And if you're a worship leader, we talk to you differently. But this is not for worship leaders. This is for the believers. Yeah. Worship has nothing to do with music. has nothing to do with your ability to sing. Write this down. Worship is the position of the heart. Notice all those definitions had nothing to do with music. But yet we make it all about the music. Man, I can't get into that worship. It's too loud. It's too old. It's too quick. It's too fast. It's too slow. It's too old. It's too hip. It's all these things. We have opinions. But let me just tell you, if it's, if it's glorifying the name of Jesus, mature believers can worship anywhere. We can, you, immature people have opinions about people doing worship. If they're, if they're worshiping God with all their heart and they're truly worshiping God and they're glorifying him, then if it ain't your style, let it be your style at the moment. That's maturity. I've met many musicians who, you know, they're just, when they're not leading worship or they're not a part of worship, they just kind of give that, how is that God? If all I had was a pair, if if we came tonight and Josh just brought a pair of spoons, I know this is goofy, but if he just brought a pair of spoons, and that's really all he had, and he genuinely worshiped God with all his heart on those spoons, you tell me God wouldn't show up? God don't need our stuff, man. God don't need our lights. God don't need our keyboard. God don't need our nice guitars. God, these things can be additions to what we're doing, but this is not worship. And this doesn't make worship. And this doesn't make God show up anymore. Because I've been in other countries. I've been in India, and they handed me a guitar that was barely a guitar. It had three and a half strings. How is that possible? I don't know. It wasn't even anywhere in tune. But you begin to strum it and worship God, and the presence of God would fall. But in church, we've got to be comfortable. We've got to have everything. And I'm not saying we don't want to have excellence, but what I'm saying, guys, is we can't get caught up in this stuff. This does not make God's presence more. David had a harp and a, some stuff out in the field. Is this helping you? Worship is the position of the heart. Let me just give you some scripture real quick. Uh, we're actually going to give you a lot of scripture. But uh, you don't have to go there. Let me just say it for time. Matthew, You can write it down. Matthew 15, 8 through 9. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he say, just to show you that it's not about music. Jesus was saying, remember, you, you, you people, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts is far from me. In fact, you worship me in vain. These people were worshiping and praising God, but God saw through their worship. Listen, God sees through our worship. If I'm singing tonight, I give myself away and I can sound great. But if I'm not doing the thing in my heart that God is speaking to you, do you think he's pleased? It might sound good. It might, it might, it might. But God sees more than my song. You see, and so worship's more than a song. Something I tell our team back home, God's not impressed with your talent. 
God's not impressed with my talent. God's impressed with my heart. Because if I'm going to sing, I give myself away, then I need to be giving myself away off the stage. You want, you want to make influence? Remember this whole week? Your pastor will talk about the anointing on Thursday night. He talked about, you know, the anointing and coming together so that we can go out and be a blessing. Your pa- pastor Darrell talked about being a disciple and disciples bring influence. You want to bring influence? You got to be a worshiper first. Because David had the, one of the greatest influences in the Bible. He had men that left families and followed him. He had his mighty men that followed him. They slept in caves. They slept in fields. They left their comfortable beds and their wives and their children, and they followed him. And he became king. Women wrote songs about him. People praised him in the streets. Remember, they said if Saul's killed his thousands, David. I mean, this guy had great influence. And if you read on that his men suffered great loss because they followed David. Their families were murdered and persecuted. He lived in caves and it wasn't comfortable. He went through great trials and he, he had friendships that got ripped apart. King Saul tried to murder him multiple times. But he had great influence. You want to know why he had great influence? Because he learned to have a life of worship. You want to have great influence in this room? We've got to learn to be a worshiper. David had great influence, but David was a man that would dance before the Lord. His clothes would fall off. Not that he was trying to. He was just so excited that the presence, the ark would come near his territory that he just began to dance. And he began to just say, I'm so excited, man. God is God is here. The, you guys understand the ark is here. And he began to dance. And he began to flail around. And people and, 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 and he's and he was the king and people despised him. Wasn't the lady, the daughter, she despised that. And she says, who are you? You're, you're flaunting around in front of the maidservants. And what happened to her? It wasn't very positive. In fact, she became barren, right? Your life will become barren if you don't start praising God. It's not just a baby thing. I'm telling you, God, God wants to use worshipers. God wants to use people who will stand and say, how great, and just begin to sing and declare the things of God, even when things aren't great. See, that's why it's, we can't just praise him when things are good. Your worship, listen, write this down. Your worship can't be conditional. You can't worship when things are going great. You need to be somebody who can worship when all hell is breaking loose in your life. I was, you know, we're staying with Pastor Mark and Ashley. By the way, it's great to see Pastor Ashley's parents in the house and family. They're like family. I've spent many Thanksgivings at their house. And so thank you. No, seriously, thank you. You've made us feel very welcome in Florida when we didn't know anybody. Seriously, I mean that. Many times, you know, and so we honor you and kids because you guys are growing, you know. <laughs> seriously, dude. So, amen. I was saying something. Same with Pastor Mark. Thank you. And um, I love Pastor Mark's house. More importantly, I love his neighborhood. In fact, I love his neighborhood so much, I went and talked to his neighbor beside him who's selling the house. Not that I want to move here. I'm just asking. How much for your I literally knocked on their door. Cause ha- but, but I'm not moving here. I'm just... The point is I love his neighborhood. And I love his neighborhood so much because I go on walks all the time. In fact, I went on a, a very long walk this morning. I'm a walker. Some people do CrossFit. I walk. Boom. <laughs> Hey, what can I say? It's a good time for a picture. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He's got that walker's body, you know? you know? I'm kidding, all right, I'll stop, stop. Hey, we can make you laugh, right? 
Okay, so the point is I love his neighborhood because I literally go on walks all the time, not just because I love his senior, because it's just a great place to pray. There's, and the great thing about his neighborhood is there's so many tall trees. I mean, tall trees, like 100, 100 feet. I mean, just crazy tall. Like, you won't even try to climb it. You fall off, you die. There's no tree house. Camden would be up there, and Camden would die. I'm serious. And his, 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 his neighborhood, there's such, such tall trees, and it's just, it's just beautiful. I'm serious. And I, so I was walking around this morning multiple times and had coffee in the hand, just walking and praying, Lord, just Lord, have your way tonight. I just want to get, you know, I just want to honestly speak nothing else but him. I just want to get, okay, God, just, you know, just download what it is exactly. And, but I noticed God spoke to me. And the reason I, I looked at all these trees and I realized these, the reason people want to move to that neighborhood so much is because the, the, the neighborhood has maturity. You know, everybody, see, I live in a great, beautiful home, but it's a cookie cutter neighborhood. You know, it's like all the houses look the same. There's two, two and a half trees. You know, there's two trees. They're all the same. You got to have the garbage can here or you get stupid letters. They're all, in a, you know, and you got that one lady that's always peeking out saying, it's trash cans out. You know, all that. That is my neighborhood. Thinking, get a life, woman or a man or something. Go out, you know. So, um, but I love, but here's, here's the thing. People want to move to this neighborhood because it's mature. Everybody loves those neighborhoods. Oh, the trees are so mature, right? Do you know that maturity is attractive? Maturity is attractive. See, God will speak to you. Just walk around your neighborhood. Maturity is attractive. And maturity, it's attractive and it becomes a blessing to people. The thing I notice about those tall trees is those trees are so tall, but they're so tall and they're so mature. That means they've went through some storms. I mean, those, those suckers are so tall. If their root system was tiny, they'd fall right over. And I'm not saying some of them don't, and I'm sure they do. But those things are grounded, and they've been there so long, and they're so mature, and they're so attractive, and they're such a blessing to people. That's how God needs us to be. And that's what worship does. It begins to make you mature, that you can praise God in the midst of chaos, and you can lift your voice when things aren't working out, and when your family's crazy, and your kids are nuts, and your bodies when you begin to lift your voice and say, Father, I worship you. I lift my voice. See, that, that makes maturity happen in your life. And then you become attractive, and you become a blessing to people. People don't want you if you're falling apart. You wonder why your, fa- you wonder why your family members aren't listening to you. Maturity is attractive, man. Like, shrugging them. Thank you, Lord. You know, because God can speak in nature because he created nature. You know, you can hear God's voice watching the birds. God can take care of them. Oh, man, I've been encouraged so many times by watching birds. Call me weird. Whatever. I will watch birds. I've realized over the years, because I've been leading worship, I don't say this like I've been leading, I've been leading worship for many years, not because I've wanted to all the time, just because that's what God would have me do, okay? I enjoy it, don't get me wrong, I'm just saying. Okay, so I've realized something over the years, the reason why people don't worship in church is because they don't have a personal, relation, personal worship life outside of church. Why aren't people worshiping and engaging in worship? I'm going to tell you why. It's because they're not worshiping off this, they're not worshiping out these doors. The problem is we've realized worship is a Sunday thing. Worship is not a Sunday thing. Worship is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. That's what worship is. Worship's not about music. Worship is you saying, God, I give you my life. I give myself away. I give you my heart. I bow down before you and say, God, you're my king, and I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll move anything. I'll give everything away. That is worship to God, not my singing to him. Because if I'm, not, if I'm singing to him, but I'm not doing it, God is not impressed. And almost God just wants to say, shh. Seriously. You think God, if God's dealing with me to give away my house, but I'm singing, you think God's saying, oh, look at him, worship me, Father. God is saying, 
I don't want to honor this, man, because your singing don't impress me. In fact, I gave your vocal cords to you and the oxygen you're using to make a tone. You know what impresses me? Your heart submitting. Remember, worship is adoration, laying face down. Worship's not, the worship is, Father, I give everything to you. Father, I give everything to you. Take my life, mold me, use me for however your glory, whatever you want me to do. No, no, no comfortable, comfortable, whatever. Father, use me. I'll give up everything for you. Anything, my house, my car, whatever, Lord. That's worship. But I do want to talk about the form of worship of acknowledging, which is lifting your voice. Because I really believe with all my heart there's people in this room that are dealing with things. And that God's word is this, that if you begin to lift your voice, the chains begin to break. Seriously. I mean, could it be that maybe the struggles you've been dealing with so long is really because you haven't been lifting your voice in worship? Could it be? I don't know, but I want to try it and find out. Cross it off the list. Oh, that didn't work. It works. When we worship, this is what I want to help you with tonight. Is this okay? See, here it is. When we worship, it produces faith. And trust. And when, again, when I'm talking about worship, I'm talking about lifting your voice to God in adoration and blessing his holy name, Chasen. Worshiping him. Worshiping him. This is not for the singers. The Bible says, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. When we worship, when we lift our voice, when we worship the Lord, not on Sunday, forget Sundays. I'm talking about in real life. When you're battling depression. When the doctor says, you have this, you have that, you're, you, you've been, you know, you're type A, whatever. That's when we got to learn to worship. When things aren't going your way. I don't say God puts things on people, but I believe God tests us. And I believe God will just sit back and watch to see how we respond. You have cancer. A mature tree will not fall over. A mature tree will stand at a storm and I'll say, you know what? Well, you know what? I know God's will. God's willing for me to have cancer and die early. The Bible says long life. He's so satisfy me and show me his salvation. And salvation is not just being born again and going to heaven. Salvation is, long, salvation is many things. And so a person in maturity will say, well, guess what? It looks like i got to start lifting my voice and just say, Father, I worship you. I honor you. Even though I have cancer and the doctor says I have three months to live, I worship you and I honor you and I just bless your holy name. See, when we worship, it, it produces faith and trust, which God recognizes. Here's, let, me, I, let, me, let me just encourage you, but maybe at the same time uh, shock you. God, uh, you do not, um, let me say it this way. Our problems do not get God's attention. Your problem does not get God's attention. I'm saying that with all my heart. Not trying to be caught in sending or sarcastic, but I'm trying to, because I've realized this through the years. My problems does not get God's attention. Your problems, your issues, fill in the blank, whatever that is, you know that it's not God's best. That alone is not getting his attention. There's something that gets his attention. Because we are his children, right? And he's a good, good father. And he's a good, good father. And he's a better father than I am. I think I'm a great father, but he's a better father than me. A great, great, great better father than me. So our problems doesn't get God's attention. Well, what gets his attention? I mean, God, I'm struggling down here. I mean, it's hard. My mortgage is expensive, yada, yada, all bills, all these things, right? We're talking to anybody that pays bills in the house that ever has an issue. 
Did you know just because you follow God does not mean things are always going to be oh, just a bed of roses? Read the story of Jesus, of Paul, of Joseph, of David. All these dudes had great trials and great complications and great adversities that you would question, God, are you following me? Are you sending me the right place? But God wants to see what we're made of. I mean, if he tested his own son, Jesus, he'll test you. He tested his own son, sent him in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil himself showed up. You think the devil showed up, but... That's just maybe your coworker, but I'm saying the devil showed up, but God had so much trust in his word. Hebrews. So, okay. So what gets God's attention, man? We better help us out because we got all these problems. Hebrews eleven six Is it up there? It should be on the beautiful TVs that they've hung so low that you almost hit your head. I'm kidding. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith is it impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know what gets God's attention? Your faith, your faith, your faith and worship. Remember, we already said it creates faith and it creates trust. See, when you're dealing with things, the number one thing we can't do is begin to just glorify our problems. What we need to do is begin to glorify the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says his name, Robert, is high and exalted than any other name. The problem is, and the problem maybe people in this room is we begin to glorify the problems. Listen, I've been there. I'll raise my hand and my foot and my other one. I have been there, and I've, but I'm telling you, there is no victory there. You get victory when you begin to glorify the name of Jesus. Because my sickness is not getting his attention. He sees it, but he can't move. He can't act. Because only one thing gets God to move, it's faith. That's what get God's attention. It's our faith. I'm going to prove it. Mark 5, verse 21. The woman with the issue of blood. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. I'm just going to read from here. Then a leader of the local synagogues whose name was Jairus arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so he can live. So Jesus is just doing his stuff. And here comes a guy saying, my, my daughter's about to die. Help me out. Jesus went with him and all the people followed him, crowding around him. Jesus always had crowds. A woman. And here's the thing. So Jesus is on direction, right? He's not even. He, he, he's just going to a place. A guy stops him and he's like, OK, I'll go this way. He's following a guy, not thinking about anything else. Except for the fact he's going to lay hands on Jairus' daughter. And then it says a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She has suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she has spent everything she had to pay them. Doctors are expensive. They must have been expensive then. Now they're crazy expensive. But she had gotten, listen, she got no better. She's gotten worse. In fact... She's gotten worse. Next verse. It's just, a, it's just come more confirmation. But she heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Now, here, notice, Jesus is not aware of her at this point. Jesus wasn't going to the crowd. Jairus, I'm going, but I just had this yearning because this woman had issue in blood and I just wish I could do something. He ain't even thinking about her. In fact, when she touched him, we're about to read on people are like, what do you mean who touched you? You got hundreds of people around you, Jesus. Everybody's touching you. I've been in crowds like that. It's called concerts. There's so and we've been there, bro. So many people. At one point, there were so many people in the concert pressed up beside me. I lifted my legs and I still was standing. 
That's how tight it was in the room. I did, I did this. I can't do the other one because I'll fall over. But I, I did this, and I was still stuck in between people. That's borderline scary, crazy, illegal. <laughs> no fire code in there. Dude. Anyways, for she, for she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. So, whoa, whoa, she had some faith. She didn't say, I've got no, I've got to spend all my money. You know, what am I going to do? Like, yada, I'm going worse. I'm dying. I'm getting worse. I keep bleeding. You know, you can only bleed so much. Okay. For 12 years, she's bleeding constantly. And you notice she, she had, her, her, her solution was one thing. If I can just touch his him. Immediately, the bleeding stopped when she did. And she could feel in her body that her condition, that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once. Notice when Jesus noticed her. Come on, let the Bible preach for itself. Notice when Jesus noticed her. He had no idea this lady existed. He had no idea who she was. They weren't friends. She's a nobody. She's a person in the crowd. But something got his attention. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? It's a crazy question. His disciples said to him, look at his crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? I'm right thinking, Jesus. Have you not ate today? I mean, do you understand where you're at, bro? There's a lot of people, you know. Give him some fish. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Why? He's looking for faith. He's looking for faith. And see, oh, let's keep going. Then, he, then, the, then, then the frightened woman, trembling at her realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at her knees in front of him and told him of what she'd done. Keep going. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your what has made you well? Your what? Your what? Your sickness. No, no, no. Oh, your problems. You're complaining. No, no, no. Your faith. Your faith. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Is there any more to that? Is that it? Okay. My translation says this. That um, says, then the frightened woman trembled at the realization of what had happened, came and fell on her knees. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace your suffering is over is that the same again that's just more confirmation amen your suffering is over could it be that maybe your suffering hasn't been over because you haven't reached god by your faith and you want to know what reaches god your faith is your worship because worship's not singing a song worship is declaring god you're great when we sing when we sing that song my favorite song chris Tomlin, how great is our god come on sing with me how see what we got to do is not just sing that in church is sing that when 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 things don't seem so great when, when our body is really being sick and when our bills are really behind and our kids are really, really crazy. And the teachers are saying, what's wrong with you? And, and, you're, and you're following God, but things aren't working out like you thought they would. See, when you're seeking first the kingdom and things aren't working out, what do we do? God ain't saying, no, God is just waiting for our, his attention to be touched. And his attention will be touched when you lift your voice and worship him. Now, I understand this woman wasn't singing, you know, if I might touch his hymn. She wasn't singing that. But the point is, is her faith. And worship, where he said, is a, is a public an announcement. It's a public acknowledgement. And worship creates faith and it creates trust. And this is why some people aren't mature. And they're not beautiful. And they're not a blessing. And they're not attractive. And they wonder why nobody wants to move in beside them. See, God is looking for some mature people that can learn to praise him when death is all around. That I can say, God, I worship you. Listen, I've been there, man. I, 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 see, I work, I've worked for the church. I, don't, I mean, 
how many years? I don't know. Many years. Okay. Um, and, you know, and just because you work for a church doesn't mean you have a huge salary. But I'm thankful for that because it's teaching me to trust in him. Not my paycheck, because I left a job that was paying very well. But if I'm working a job making tons of money, but I'm not in my purpose, then I can be, I'm rich, but I'm really broke. It's amazing how God can get you things and add you things and, and pay things off and give you finances. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to brag, but God has done so much for one reason, because we've sold all and followed him. But the point is, is that worship creates faith. Let me write this down. Write this down. Worship lifts our soul. This is so good. Worship lifts our soul to the awareness of God in our life. Worship. I'm talking about lifting your voice. Worship. It it, it lifts our soul. What is our soul? Our mind, our will, our emotions. Because that's the part that we struggle with, right? Our mind. Anybody ever been behind on a payment before? It's okay. This doesn't mean you're a sinner, okay? (laughs) Jesus Jesus had some lack of some times, but he knew how to get the, the provision. So just because you might not have an X amount in the bank, don't follow the world's standards and think, oh, you're... God will sometimes have you give everything away. And your family and your friends can say, you're crazy. But God is saying, you got this. I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you. Because you know, if, if you can be faithful with this, if you can just give this away right now, I can use you five years from now. Because it's all a test. And I want to see what you're going to do with it right now. If I just hold on to this and be comfortable, God says, can't use you, bro. I want to sell all. Worship means I give everything away. Lord, take my house, take my car, take everything, my plans. I, I put them in your hands. See, the verses we didn't sing, it says, um, the verse is, um, here I am, here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hands. All my dreams. I think I'm saying it wrong. Um, Lord, I place them in your hands. I give myself. So we got to lay things down. We've got to lay ourselves down. So worship lifts our soul. We continue. Worship lifts our soul to the awareness of God in our life. It gets our mind and our thoughts on the word of God. Why do you need worship? Because you have to get aware of who God is. See, this is the verse that was really burning deep in my heart for this service tonight. And it's this in Psalms 34.3. This verse was just, you know, sometimes there's... You've got to find out where the anointing's at in services. You've got to find out where God, you know, what are you, where are you trying to just, you know, hit the nail on the head, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes there's verses that are great, but then there's, and they are great, and they build foundation. But there's that one verse that's like, this is what God's saying. This is what God's saying tonight. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. This is David. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. You say, oh, that, that's cute. I'm going to tell you how cute this is. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt what? Whose name? Whose name? His name. See, the problem is we have been exalting the wrong names. The problem is that we've been exalting the wrong names. We've been exalting our mortgage. We've been exalting our condition. We've been exalting our lack. We've been exalting our, 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 our marriage. That's not where, whatever, fill in the blank. We've been exalting. What we get in trouble is we begin to exalt the wrong things, and we're not exalting the thing that can change the thing, which is the name of Jesus. The name that is high above any other name. And see, the word magnify, this is great, means this. It means to make greater an actual size. The word magnify means to make greater an actual size. So it also means this, to cause to seem greater or more important. 
to make more exciting, to intensify, to praise, to make something greater, to make something appear larger. See, when we worship God, what we're doing is we're beginning to make God's name greater and larger and bigger than our problems. That's why you need to worship. See, Kenneth Hagin said it this way. When we begin to magnify God and worship God, let's say you got an issue. Yeah, we've all got them, right? Here's my issue, right? I'm sitting right here. Well, if I begin to magnify God and say, God, you're worthy, you're awesome, and I begin to tell him who he is and worship him, all of a sudden, God becomes to seem so big, and my problem becomes so small. But the problem is we begin to elevate our problem, and we begin to talk about how, oh, what about this, and what if I get this letter, and what if this doesn't work out, and all of a sudden, this thing becomes so big, and God becomes so small. And we wonder why we struggle. Because we're not magnifying the Lord. We're not making his name greater than anything. We got to chase. We got to make his name greater than any struggle, any sickness, any problem, because the name of Jesus still works. And that's why singing a song does not get God's attention alone. It's off the stage. I've been there when there was a season that we weren't making anything. Yeah, this ain't private information because my wonderful pastor shared this publicly before. So, but there was a season because I, I appreciate our pastor because he's a man of faith, you know, and he's uh, and he and he gives this great opportunity to walk in faith. When you're thinking, you know, certain conversations you can't tell your family because sometimes your family can't understand faith. Sometimes you you know your closest people can't understand, you know. They can't understand it, and so it's just better. Hey, things are great. But inside you're thinking, God, you know. <laughs> but listen, but listen, isn't that how it should be as a believer? I mean, if everything was comfortable and the bills, everything came on Friday. And th- I mean, no, no, no. But see, God wants us to be those people that can go through great testimonies and great trials and say, man, I didn't have anything, but God came through. That's the stuff that preaches. I had cancer, stage four, and I was dying, and I began to worship God, and I began to put him first, and he healed my body. But if I glorify the cancer, if I glorify the chemo, if I glorify everything that's going on, and if I do chemo, stop glorifying the problem. We've got to exalt the name that works. And how do we do that? We begin to just worship him. And this is not for the singers. This is for the believers. And I don't care if you have a melody or not. You've got to say something. You've got to say something. It could be just Jesus. Jesus. And I mean, and it sounds foolish. I know. And it's uncomfortable. But that's what worship does. You think David was, was feeling comfortable when he was dancing before the Lord and weeping and crying and his clothes were falling off? And that's why not everybody can be a worshiper because they have too much of themselves. I mean, your pastor said it tonight. We've got to give ourselves to God so he can use us. You know what? I, I'm going to dance and I'm going to shout and I'm going to sweat and I'm going to sing. And I'm gonna, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I've got made fun of a lot for my worship. But I got a great news. I don't care. I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to please you. You don't like my worship? Go somewhere else. I don't care. I really don't care. You know what I care about is pleasing my father. You know, that's what I care about. That's what I care about. And, and if it's pleasing to him, and, I, you know, and, I'm, and, and I'm telling you, God will use dancers. Let me say this. This is deep. I'm not saying you have to dance all the time. That's not what I'm saying. It's not like, well, you worship God. You have to. I'm not saying that. But what if he asked you to do it, would you? No, God didn't want you to make a fool of yourself, but God's wanting you to get out of yourself. 
That's the Holy Ghost, by the way, not me, because I'm not that smart. Just gonna throw, tweet that, but say Holy Spirit. Don't put me. God makes us so much better than we are. So the thing is, is that there's times that you know we're, we're you know we're going through struggles and stuff, and I've I've had some personal times that we weren't getting paid for a season, you know, and mortgage companies don't understand that. Well, listen, you know, the church, we're just going through a season right now. And, and if you could just hold on, the Lord's, you know, they don't understand that stuff. They want their money. They want their $1,250 a month. That's my mortgage now, you know, whatever. Okay. But the point is, is that, that's what they, they don't. They, well, God's working on me. You know, God's working things. That they, don't, they, don't, they don't care about that. They want the money. And I can talk to them and say, well, you know, God's, God's blessings coming, you know, and I can, I can get all, ha, ha, you know, and all that stuff, you know. And, and, but that, that doesn't move them. They're not saying, whoo, you know, stand and believe, brother. We'll, we'll just, hold. they ain't doing that, man. They ain't doing that. They want their money. But they want a season that I couldn't pay it. Not because we're poor managers of money, but because we had no money coming in. I mean, how, how do you be a poor manager of a budget when you have no, but, you know, it's, you know, I, I'd rather put food in my, in, in our families, you know, you got a value, okay, you know. But during that storm, it was a storm. My wife and I began just to have nights of just worship. We didn't have a record, live recording. No, we just got in. You know, we didn't put on Facebook Live. You know, come on, people. You know, hey, I'm just going to have some worship. Stop that. Just stop. Just stop it. No, but if you're not worshiping. Okay. I have some worship leader friends that I just feel like I'm worship. I just need to have a lot of worship. I'm like, okay, you know what? You're not that cool, bro. You know, I'm sorry. Just worship in secret. And if God wants to elevate you, do it. You know, I'm serious. I'm like, guys, stop. Anyways, and so my wife and I began to have some nights of worship. We just began to say, God, you're worthy. And we didn't have some great songs. God, you're going to pay our mortgage. I mean, just thanking him. I mean, thanking him and just telling him who he is. Because God gave us, gave us, gave us our house. That's a whole other story on the side. But the truth is God gave us and God didn't give us something that should be taken away because I'm serving him. God would say, here, you've been serving me. Here's the house. Oh, not paying, taking it back. No, he don't do that. It was a test. Am I going to fall apart or am I going to praise him in that storm and say, Father, you're worthy. I'm going to magnify the Lord. Lord, you're worthy above my mortgage. Father, your name is greater than above my payments. I don't have and I worship you. And God and God is cool with you trying to worship him even when you're trying to figure things out. Don't try to act like you got it together. That's why you need him. You can be honest with God. God, I'm freaking out right now. I'm getting calls from all these numbers that I don't know. You know. Seriously. Right? You know, getting all these people from different countries calling me, wanting my money. And I don't, I don't have it, Lord. And so I worship you. And I'm fretting. And I'm serious. And the devil is so tricky. And don't place so many wonderful DVDs in your mind. Your house getting taken, kids living in the street. I mean, seriously, he does that stuff. Any fathers in the house? Thank you. He does that stuff. You can't watch those DVDs. You got to take them out and throw them. You know, and then, you know, and what testimony is this? God gave you a house and then the church, you know, they can't, you know, and it's not, you know, it's just a season. And I'm thankful for that season because, I, you know, our pastor's like, listen, you know, we're just going through the season. We're going to weather this storm and do what you feel like God's going to do. And God just really spoke to my heart as I went on a walk. See, I, I get a lot of answers walking. I get a lot of hate for it, but whatever. I hear God on the walks and I heard God. And I got on my, I got on a long walk and God asked me, said, what do you have? God, I can, you know, I know something a little bit about music. I can teach or something. Just begin to do lessons here and there. Just, you know, not because I wanted to. In fact, I didn't like it at all. In fact, I was very, like, I don't want to teach 
seven-year-olds to play guitar. I just want to, I don't know what I'm going to do with my time, Lord. You know, you know what I'm saying? Maybe that's your calling. That's frustrating, you know, and it was, but I was being faithful, okay? I was putting my hand to something, and, but the thing is, we began to just worship God and say, God, and, this, and it was a great storm for us. Maybe it's not a storm for you, but that was a big challenge for us. And begin to worship God and say, God, you're, and, just be, and we begin to simply just magnify. Remember, magnify means this, to make greater, to make, to make, to cause, to cause to seem greater. Because at the moment, my house seemed greater. But we serve a big God. And so you're going to be, if you're going to be an influence, if you're going to be like David and have influence, you've got to have a life of worship. You've got to go through some battles and say, man, I sang my way through this battle. I sang my way through this battle, and I danced my way through this battle, and I had this, but I just worshiped God, and I just said, God, you're worthy, and my mortgage is way behind, way behind three months, and I know what happens at three months, then they start saying all this extra stuff like, you know, oh, we're going to come take it, we're going to come take it, but God, you're worthy, and I worship you, and I can't, and I just set my mind on you, and I just thank you that you're awesome, and I would love to say that it was easy, it wasn't in the flesh, but you know, in ourselves is very difficult, but that's why we can rest and pick up his strength. You know, he's our strength. And so in our midst of our praising and worshiping and having our worship service at home, God gave me a vision of our this water up against. So we have these big, large two windows, uh, well, doors, but they're like 12 feet tall, double doors, very huge. And uh, I had a vision. I went to sleep as a dream vision, whatever, but I, I saw I woke up in the middle of the night and I walked through my house and I saw water standing up against my windows. Like there was a flood, okay? There was a flood. I could tell there was a storm and a flood and the water hit my house and it raised up about, you know, 10 feet. And so, you know, half the house was underwater. And if you know anything about water on a house, water's not, house is not waterproof, especially just two glass doors. Water will find a way, right? Like Jurassic Park, life will find a way. Water, you know where I was going. Water will find a way and it'll get in. And when water's standing up a house, my house isn't waterproof. But I saw the water standing there. And I, just, I remember, I remember, I remember I was in my pajamas, man. And I was looking at the window and I was so puzzled in my dream. I was like, how is it not getting in? I remember saying that in my dream. How is it not getting in? I mean, I'm looking around the borders and looking around the creek. It's not getting in. And then I woke up. And immediately God spoke to me about the houses, the houses stood. There was two storms. One stood on the rock and one stood on the sand. The same storm hit both houses. One stood, one fall. And God said, I got this. The next week, someone cut us a check for the whole back, everything. I didn't plan that. I didn't, you know, pre, like, throw that out there. God, if you can use some, you know, those prayers. I wasn't trying to be manipulative. God, we need $5,000 to use somebody, you know. I mean, it was just personal times with God. And someone from an outside source, hey, we just feel led to give you this. Thank you. But really, thank God. But I'm telling you, if in that storm, if we wouldn't have learned to lift our voice in worship and we begin to magnify the wrong thing, which is our mortgage and is behind, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it would have not had the same results. Now, please understand, I'm not elevating. I'm, I'm elevating one thing, the scripture. It works. Magnifying. Let's put that back up there, please. Appreciate our sound, guys. Mr. Jimmy. Awesome. Magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Worship is a choice. Worship is a choice. It's a choice. You have to choose to magnify God. You have to choose to worship him. You have to choose to lift his, uh, uh, his, his word above anything else. It's not easy, Robert, and it's not for the faint of heart. That's why not everybody can do it. 
but it's for the people that want to be mature and want to be attractive and want to be a blessing. And God can use those people that can stand in storms and get God's attention by worship. Because my mortgage payments that were in delinquent did not get his attention. He wasn't saying, oh, man, you know, God, I feel bad for him. He was recognizing, he saw what was going on, but he was waiting for, him, for, he was waiting for me to touch him. And the reason how I touch him is by my, my voice, faith. Is this helping you tonight? A couple more verses and we'll shut her down. Man. I've got a lot of verses actually, but time won't permit us. Psalms 28, 7. Let's go there. We've got to learn to lift our voice, church. You've got to learn to lift your voice. You've got to learn to lift your voice. You've got to learn to lift your voice and just find out, God, what God, I worship you. I honor you. I lift you up, Lord. I worship you. And that's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need a band behind you or a sound. You just need your voice. God, I worship you. And you can sound horrible, but God says it's pleasing to him if it's in faith. Could that be the very reason why your, your life is barren? Or things are barren. Psalm, this is such a good verse. Psalms 28:7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. And notice who's all saying these. Who's, who's talking these verses? Who? David. Psalmist. David. The warrior that could slit your throat and then weep and cry and worship God at the same time. That's man status. Being a man is not sissy, you know, oh, I'm just going to worship God. No, no, that's not. David could weep, could dance, could flail around. Break down and cry, but then defeat a whole army and stab you and not even think of anything of it. That's man status. He knew how to fight, but he knew how to worship. That's man status. <clears throat> the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with what? My song, I will praise him. Anchor faith by Austin, you need to find your song. And with my song, I will praise him. God is asking you, what is your song? What is your song? David said, and with my song. It didn't say the song, it said my song. My song. You need to have a song. I have a song. I had a song. God, you're going to take care of my mortgage. We had a song in the hospital together, remember? With my son, Judah, who's in there somewhere, probably eating. But that was a rough time, wasn't it? They were there. I'm not trying to glorify the problem or the devil, but it was a rough, that was a rough time. It gets really rough when the doctors are stressed and when the doctor pulls you inside to the side room. You know, it's one of those conversations. And when you see that they're panicked and they don't know what they're doing and they're freaking out because your son can't breathe and he's going blue and purple. But there was a song we had to have. Because God's will is not that my son would be born and die. God's will is that my son would be born and live. And so begin to say, Father, you're worthy. And just worship him. And God gave me a scripture in, in Proverbs that says that when the whirlwind, that, that, that when the whirlwind passes, uh, when the whirlwind passes, the righteousness will stand, the righteous will stand, something like that. But that was my song in the moment. And began to just sing God and worship. And we began to pray right there in the ER, right when it was going crazy, right? Remember? I mean, it was, I mean, emotions were flying. I was bawling like a baby because I have emotions, not because I'm weak, but because I'm human. Just because I'm crying doesn't mean I'm not in faith. But I can't stay there. I got I to gotta get it out. 
And then I got to say, and even in the midst, I got to say, God, you're worthy and you're the healer. And I'm put and I'm not just trying to glorify the problem, but I'm telling I'm trying to glorify what will fix the problem. And I'm magnifying you. We begin right there in the, in the ER. I mean, right five feet away from us. And we got and just begin to pray. And I was singing in the spirit, and just worshiping and just trying to stay in peace. That's how you win, church. That's how you win. You got to worship. You got to lift your voice. You got to magnify the name of God. You got to begin to say, God, you're great. You're great. And you're greatly to be praised. David said, with everything that has breath, praise ye the Lord. Everybody take a deep breath. Come on. Hold it. Hold it. Let it out. God gave you that breath and it's for him. The reason you have breath is you're, you're created for one reason, to give him praise and give him glory. That's why you're here. You're not here to have a big house, big family, big cars. You're here to give him glory and bring the kingdom of God everywhere you go. That's why you're here. I mean, there's so many stories. You know, Paul and Silas, they're in prison for one thing, following God. In fact, they wanted to go to Asia, but the spirit of God rejected. said, no, 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 you can't go there. He said, go here. And so like, okay, God, I'm going here. And as they're going, they're preaching. And a girl that's demon possessed, basically a slave by these guys, they're holding her ransom because she's telling the future. And they're using her as prophet, basically just using the woman. And then Paul gets upset after three days and says, in the name of Jesus, get out. Okay. And then all of a sudden they, they, they realize their prophet is gone. And like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? Ah, throw him in jail. And they throw them in jail, offered Paul of setting a woman free. Doing the work of God, they're in prison. But at the midnight hour, what did they do, church? They began to sing songs to God. Now, I wish we could have that song because that song would sell today, right? Dude, this is the song Paul used, man. Seriously. Forget Tomlin. This is the song that, that because listen, what happened, if you keep reading, it says, that, go real quick, verse, uh, you put it up there. Um, Acts uh, 16, 25. it's down there somewhere. Acts 16, 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Notice they weren't complaining. What were they doing? They were magnifying the name of God. Here they are in prison, in stocks. I'm sure it wasn't comfortable. And prison today is very nice. I've been there many, many times. The minister, not because, you know, <laughs> you know. Clarity, we're not married. I went to prison to minister. But we're in prison. We minister all the time, right? And we, you know, we go there once a month and we're singing and worshiping God. And prisons are nice today. It's like, dude, I could break some laws. You know, I'm thinking, I'm kidding. But here they are in back today in prison, on their hands, feet, whatever, locked up against in a nasty place. And the Bible says, what did they begin to do? They begin to, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. In other words, they were magnifying the name of God. And the other, ooh, ooh, and the other prisoners were listening. Can I just give you a little nugget? Your praise is not just for you. People are watching you. People want to make, people want to see you as a tree, Caleb, that stands, to st- that stands storms. They're watching. Your praise is not just for you. It's not just for you. It's not your family's watching. What are they going to do when, they, when, they, when, when this happens and they realize that oh, what you're doing is you begin to elevate the name of God? What are you going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to magnify the name of God. I'm going to make his name greater than this problem. And I'm telling you, this problem will bow at the name of Jesus. Because you notice that all sickness and all disease, weather, uh, lack of food, it all bowed at the name of Jesus. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and here we go, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Did you know that you lifting your voice can break chains? 
See what happens, Pastor John, when we begin to glorify the name of God. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. What is God going to do? God can do it for you. All you got to do is do the, the, the one thing that, ele- that gets his attention, and that's worshiping him, magnifying his name. Because in the midst of adversity, God knows where you're at. When I'm struggling, God sees that. But he sees me lifting him up instead of complaining. He says, that's faith. I can do something here. I mean, he, he's trying to touch me because I see that he's sick. And I see that, yeah, 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 I see that. But he's trying to touch me. Man, I can move now. Why won't God do it for me? He, he will do it for you. If you do the number one thing that's necessary. We've got to worship. We've got to worship. Is this helping you? It's almost nine. I know. Hmm. Let me close on this. A couple things. And I just want to give opportunity quickly for God to continue to do what he wants to do. Amen. Let me say this. God does not need our worship. This is a shocking revelation. That really shocked me. Shocks religion. Shocks religion. You know what Jesus did? He came to shock religion. About the kingdom of God back, not religion. That's why, he, that's why the people that were worshiping him, he didn't like them. You worship me in vain. You, you, you're not worshiping me. You, you honor me with your list, but you're whitewashed tombs, bro. I mean, and, and, and the kingdom of God, it, it, it decimates religion. And this statement decimates religion. And it's, God does not need our worship. I mean, here, here's the thing. Let me, let me break this down because I, I, want, I want to make it real quick. God, God does not need our worship. He does not need us to tell him who he is. Do you know that me singing how great is our God does not make him any more great or any more God? If God was waiting on your worship for him to be God. Come on, seriously. I ain't feeling, you know, because we have other services, you know, worship teams, you know, driving and you're just kind of, you know, I ain't feeling it today. If God was waiting for him to be himself on the waiting on your response. So. God, here's the thing. So he doesn't need us to tell him who he is because he already exists. Whether I sing to him or not or give him glory, he's still worthy and he's still God. Okay, so uh, it doesn't change him. He's like, God needs nothing, but everything he creates needs him. God needs nothing, but everything God needs nothing, but everything he creates. I mean, wouldn't God be a very uh, uh, what's the word? Not emotional, but uh, since. Uh, uh, well, insecure person, if he only was God when I told him he's God, you're God. He's like, oh, thank you. Now I feel so much better. He's not insensitive. He doesn't need my approval. He is God whether I give it or not. Okay, so if God needs nothing but everything he creates needs him. And we know that God created everything, right? Genesis 1, we know the heavens, the earth, vegetations, animals, etc. Listen, out of everything that God created, one has the right and the privilege to worship. Out of everything God created... You want you, you, can I kind of continue just to shock you? Why does worship matter? Because worship is the one thing that God cannot give himself. Worship is the one thing that God cannot give himself. God can do anything and everything. But the one thing he cannot do is worship. Because in order to have worship, you have to have something higher than yourself. And there is nothing higher than God. You want to know why God doesn't worship? Who is he going to worship? 
You have to have something higher and greater. He is. And so if my worship, listen, if my worship is not making him more God and my worship is not changing him. Now we know he loves our worship. Amen. And the Bible says he adores our worship and he longs for it. And he's in John. It says he's seeking true worshipers. So God enjoys our worship. But you got to realize he doesn't need it and it doesn't make him any more God. So then who must really need it? Us. Now, again, I'm not denoting we, we give him glory because honors do and he is worthy of our praise. But our worship doesn't make him any more God. What it does is it gives him glory. But in that great, beautiful exchange, it gets our eyes on how great he is. And when the more we worship, see, that's why we need worship. And that's why you need to lift your voice outside of church, because when, when you, what you get is you got to start lifting your voice and glorifying him. And, and he's like, well, yes, I already know I am God, but thank you. And I appreciate it. And he longs for it and it pleases him. And the Bible says it's like aroma it's pleasing to him. But what that's doing is, see, as we bless God, he begins to bless us. And we begin to realize, oh, my gosh, he is a great God. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And as we sing through you, I can do anything. So when we do that, we're going to say, oh, my gosh, I can do anything. And all things are possible for them who believe. You see, worship really affects us. It's for him, but it changes us. We need worship. You need worship. The church needs worship. We need worship, man. I need to lift my voice. You need to lift your voice. You got that's not a you need to, I'm telling you, you need to. Man, it is the it is the miracle. God told me this morning I was on my walk. He said, you will only go as far as your life of worship. You will only go as far as your life of worship. I'm not trying to get singers out of you tonight, but I'm trying to get you to do the number one thing that will change your circumstances. Because as David said, at all times, and I, I know we couldn't read it out of um, at a time, but he said this. Psalms 34, 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. Stow it up there real quick. We'll close on this one. I will praise the Lord at Psalms 34, 1. This is the part right before, oh, magnify. Psalm of David, um, uh, where are we at? I will praise the Lord at all times. At all times. That's a great statement. At all times. At all times. That means when it's rough, when it's bad, when it's good, when it's, when it's, at all times. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Are we following? I don't know what translation this is. Is this the same one I'm reading? Okay. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Keep going. Okay. It's okay. I got more. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praise. Verse 2 says this. I will only boast in the Lord. See? We got to boast in him and him alone and nothing else. Don't boast in your problems. Don't boast in your sickness. Don't boast in your, your wife. That's, or, your, or, your, or what? Don't boast on those things. Boast on the one that can help you, which is the name of God. I will boast only in the Lord and let all who are helpless take heart. Come and let us uh, tell of the Lord's greatness. And let us, that was the one, let us magnify or let us exalt his name together. And the guys that wrote this verse was David. David had such influence because he was a worshiper. He knew when to fight, but he also knew when to say, you know what? I just got to worship God. I just got to just begin to say, God, you're worthy. And I began to, because David went through some tough times. I mean, I've been so encouraged by the life of David. He was left alone. He had a relationship with Jonathan that got ripped apart. 
David had some, you know, but he was absolutely in the will of God for his life. But he was the one writing these verses. And in fact, and we, we, we can't get into it, but it's a great verse that all his, he was doing a battle for the Lord. The Lord sent him. You, we can go, we're going to transition. You can go ahead and worship team, come on up and you can do your thing. David was following God's plan. Listen, God, he was following God. God said, go here and destroy these places. And as he did it, as he left his city, his own city he was living in got destroyed behind him. And the men that was with him, their families and their wives and their children got murdered. Here's David, the great leader, following God, having all his mighty men saying, David, I'll go every time I go. And they follow him. Yeah, just real simple. And he began to follow him. And they realized as they were following the man of God and following God, their whole families got destroyed. And the Bible says that the men got together and they were upset with David and they wanted to stone him. I mean, that's pretty, that's pressure, right? That's pressure. When you're following God and all the people with you, their lives are getting destroyed for the moment. And the Bible says David was very distressed. But, what, but here's the answer. And we'll close on this. And you can throw it up there. It's, it's 1 Samuel 36. 1 Samuel 36. 1 Samuel 36. It says, but David was now in great danger because all the men were very bitter about losing their sons and their daughters. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty important stuff. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. The King James Version says he began to encourage himself in the Lord. That's what worship does. We've got to learn to begin to encourage ourselves in the Lord in the midst of trials, in the midst of great tribulation, in the midst of great pain, of despair. I'm telling you, that's how you'll see the miracle in the hand of God, church. And that's how you'll have great influence. That's how you'll be that vessel of anointing. That's how you'll be his disciple because you will be that person of great influence. As we're closing, and then we are. Five minutes and we're done. Just stand with us as we're closing. Come on. Just a couple minutes. If, if you're here tonight and you're doing this and you're, you're, you are dealing with a something, you fill in the blank, you know what that is. And it's that, that thing that's become barren in your life. Okay? That, that issue that you have got to say, man, I've got to get this. Lord, this has to change. I'm telling you, your miracle is in your voice. So if you're here tonight and you say, man, that's Pastor Marcus, that's me, I... The fill in the blank. I, this has got to change and it's still affecting me now. But I'm telling you, your answers and your praise. I, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to get on your knees. I'm going to lead you in a song. And all you're going to do is one thing is you're going to just begin to glorify the name of God. And we're going to declare that tonight things change. Can we do that? So if you're here, be bold. Come on, be bold. It only takes one to move. If you say, man, you know what? I'm, I, I'm, I'm dealing with something and I need it to change. And I realize I haven't been glorifying the name, but I've been glorifying the problem. Listen, this is not an embarrassing thing. This is a great thing because I've been there before. And I realized, man, i got to get things right. And when you do that and you get on your knees before God, you say, God, tonight I'm going to declare that I'm going to glorify and magnify your name and tell you who you are. I'm telling you tonight, things can change. And like Paul and Silas, those doors and those chains can truly open tonight. So come. I'm going to lead you in a simple song. And this is what I want you to do. As you come, number one, you've got to repent. Say, Father, forgive me for not glorifying your name in the midst of the situations. But tonight, I, I commit to glorify you. Come on, I encourage you. Come on, come on, come on. I encourage you. 
Don't leave tonight because tonight could be your night that things change. In fact, it will. So you got to do two things. You got to get it right. You got to say, God, forgive me. But for now, I begin to glorify your name. And I'm going to leave.